Good morning. It's time to begin our worship service. Uh, if you would, come on in and have a seat. Uh, two or three announcements. Uh, one thing I would like to announce is that Jane Jones is here and, and uh, David and Elaine Bell are back with us. Uh, so we're glad to, glad to see those smiling faces. Uh, Bert Brack, many of you know, uh, is minister at Shiloh. And uh, he'll be having a heart procedure this morning and possibly surgery, maybe even as we're speaking now. So we need to remember Bert. Many of you know him. Many of the young at heart have, have known him from uh, uh, him attending uh, some of those meetings as entertainment. So remember Bert in our prayers. One thing uh, is a little different this morning. We're going to be passing the communion trays once again. It's been I don't know, two years since we've done that, but uh, if you will take uh, one of the cups, it's like we've been having available at the back. If you've already picked yours up, that's all right. Just pass the tray on. If you'd prefer to pick it up at the back, uh, they'll still be available for a few more weeks that way too. But uh, there'll be, uh, the trays will be passed once. It'll have the cup and the bread in it. So take that out and then... Um, the offering trays will also be passed, and if you're uh, still wanting to put it in the box at the back, you can do that, or if you're giving online, you can continue in that way with your giving. So we, we appreciate your uh, understanding and the changes we've made, and, and uh, pray that uh, all will be, be good with this. Before COVID, the elders realized that we needed to do a better job at connecting at West Irwin. COVID made that even more evident as we uh, realized needs in our uh, needs that were lacking at the church here. You know, connecting with one another really isn't a problem. Uh, we do a pretty good job of that, but sometimes we struggle with with connecting ministries, individuals with ministries within the church. Sometimes uh, we have trouble connecting new members to others in the church, other members, and to ways that they can serve, creating opportunities for existing groups in the church to grow closer to other groups. Uh, sometimes we, we get isolated in, in the groups and our groups maybe of our peers and so forth, but we could do a better job at that. And by recognizing visitors and making them feel comfortable, making them feel welcome here. And everybody knows that uh, it, it feels good to be welcome and it feels good to matter, to, to belong to a church. As we began discussing these areas of needs and deficiencies, we met with church growth experts. And we spoke with other churches that have experienced great successes in these areas. And soon we concluded that we could not fill this void without a focused effort. We had to be diligent in it. But not wanting to burden our current staff members with these duties, it was determined that we needed a connection minister. This is a brand new position to address these areas of weakness. And many of those conversations that we had over, over many months, the name Eric Thornton, kept coming up. A lot of us have known Eric for many years. 
It was 21 years ago that, that I first met him at Oklahoma Christian College when Danny Stell and I went up there to interview students for our summer youth intern program. And since that time, Eric impressed us then and he impressed us for the next two years as he was our summer youth intern for those two years. Then after graduating from OCU, he worked in youth ministry in, in Weatherford, Texas, and Longview. And almost 10 years ago, Eric came back to West Irwin to become our youth minister when Danny transitioned out of that role. After four years, he moved into full-time preaching as he became the, became the pulpit minister at the Athens Church of Christ. In total, Eric has had 17 years of vocational ministry. Many of us are aware a lot has changed in Eric's life over the past few years, and the most recent being his house fire he, that he experienced last month. He has had quite a few changes, for sure. The elders have talked with him multiple times and at great length about those changes and all that comes with them. And with each meeting and or conversation, Eric has always been very transparent with us, very open, including even recent accusations that have occurred. The elders are confident that he has been forthcoming and honest and desires to move forward in the kingdom. He has a very tender heart. He's a man that wants to live his life to serve and honor God and to care for his two boys, Wesley and Cade. Eric said, we know that none of us live perfect and sinless lives. But it is how we move forward with each, from those situations or situations that defines us. There's a commercial right now about uh, Governor Abbott that says his accident uh, didn't define him, but how he reacted to that. And that's the same way Eric is saying that as we react to things in our lives, then we, that's what defines us, not the event itself. We all struggle at times. We have times of great success and times of total failure. But we have a loving, forgiving Father whose mercies are new every morning. He requires us to be faithful, not perfect. After meeting with Eric several times, we believe that he can help this church through his ministry experiences, his life experiences, and his ongoing relationship with God. We also believe that we can be there for him and his boys as we continue to define what this area of ministry looks like for our family here. Just like many great biblical characters who made mistakes such as King David, Paul, Peter, and a host of others, we're thankful that God does not define us by our past, but by who we become in the kingdom as we move forward in our walk with him. The eldership will stand beside and continue to shepherd and counsel Eric and his boys, just as we desire to do the same for any member of God's family at West Irwin. We solicit your prayers for the elders and Eric and his family to navigate this position and your patience as we start this journey with great expectations and hope, but not without some challenges along the way. 
At this time, I'm going to ask the other elders that are present and Eric to, to come forward as we give him a charge to faithfully accept this new position. Okay, Eric, today the eldership gives you the charge of fulfilling the work of a connection minister to the best of your ability for the good and growth of God's kingdom here at West Irwin. Do you accept that charge? I do. Good. Okay, we're, we're so happy that Eric is once again on staff, and uh, we pray that uh, uh, his, his uh, dedication and his passion will be contagious, that more of us will begin to think that uh, we need to be more involved and more uh, better Christians and better examples of what Christ's life was like. So let's uh, begin in prayer. Father, we ask your blessings today upon uh, Eric and upon this new work. We pray that... uh, he will do do well at it, Father. We don't know exactly what what this looks like, but we know that he is capable and that he is able to to fulfill that that work and that charge, Father. We ask that you'd give him the the zeal and the health to um, to continue to to work here at West Irwin, Father. We know that it's not uh, not uh, define exactly what this position will do, but we know that we have many needs and many areas that we are failing in. We pray that uh, he will fulfill those areas well. Father, we ask uh, your blessings upon Eric and his boys as he continues to raise them to honor and to glorify you. Father, also uh, today we ask for your blessings upon the Rouse, Darlene Rouse and her family uh, with the passing of of Scotty this past week. Father, we ask for your blessings upon Bert Brack and his surgery. We pray that it will be successful and without complications. Father, we also ask that you'd be with Darlene Henderson as she's in ICU, be with Janice Hardaway and her upcoming heart procedure. Father, uh, Gary Broom has an upcoming surgery as well as Eli Hodges. We pray that you'll be with them. Uh, please be with uh, Kelly Finley and her knee surgery tomorrow. Father, uh, uh, we ask for a blessing upon Cooper Reed as he uh, is dealing with a brain injury from a previous football accident. Father, thank you for uh, Hal Ferguson and, and his work in the Chamala Hospital in the Chamala area. We pray that you will continue to, to bless that work and Father, we're thankful for the part that we've had uh, in it through the years. Please accept our worship this morning as a fragrant offering to you. Please help us to uh, live our life each day as we strive to be examples of Christ. For it's through his name we pray. Amen. Let's be standing for our opening song.
In case you looked at the outline, today's theme is about singing and joyful singing, and I looked so forward to Bill's lesson on this. So let's be singing out and singing in praise to God as we sing all these songs today. Come, let us all unite to sing. God is love.
passing the trays back out again. So, gentlemen, if you would go ahead and come up while I'm doing this. So, we're going to have the men passing the trays again. As you get the tray, we're going to be singing the song, and they're going to be passing the trays to you. It has the cup and the bread in the same vial. Please wait until after the prayer to partake. You will know them for each session, but go ahead and take so they will be passing these out while we sing the song. You are Lord of creation and Lord of preparation of the Lord's Supper, I want to read a passage of scripture from Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 and just a few comments and then we'll have a prayer uh, to uh, bless the bread we're about to partake. Acts 20 and verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to part the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. I think it's significant for the fact that in the Apostle Paul's travels, in fact, in all of the missionaries and all of the preachers' works and efforts in Judea and Jerusalem, Samaria and other most parts of the world, wherever they were and whatever they were doing, they didn't forget to keep the most important and significant part of their work in mind, and that was the death of Jesus Christ and what that death meant to them. We find in Acts chapter 20, in the context of Paul's third missionary journey, there the disciples there are about five days, and Paul and them, they all join together uh, and remain in Troas for about seven days, and they're waiting there to be able to begin their work the following Monday, but that Sunday, they pause and they come together to remember the Lord's death. And as they're there in Troas, they're encouraging the brethren. They're there 
possibly just uh, helping them in, in various ways and the works that they're involved in and encouraging them. And so on that last, on that first day of the week before they're about to depart, then Paul and the other disciples are gathered together and they find themselves considering the body of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus died for their sins and for all of our sins. And as we as God's people, as we work our jobs, Monday through Friday or Saturday, whatever our days of work are, in our works, whether we're doing mission work, whether we're doing local work, whether whatever works we're doing in school and play and whatever we're doing, we pause upon the first day of the week. We come together as God's people to, better, to be able to think about why all of this is possible. And it's all because of the death of Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Let us pray now for the bread. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful to you for the blessings you give us. We're thankful for the death of your son, the great gift that you gave, that he was willing to, get to die on the cross to give himself, his body, that we might be able to partake of his life, be able to be part of that body, and that we are able to remember the great sacrifice he made on the cross by the giving himself, that we would think of him as we partake of this emblem of the unleavened bread that represents his body. We pray, Father, that we, as we reflect upon that, that we would do so with a sincere heart, with a desire to want to do right and to want to strive to live the kind of life that would be pleasing to you. We ask you to forgive us our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us bow and bless the fruit of the vine. Our Father in heaven, we come before your throne again, thanking you again for the blessing of life. We realize, Father, that as the life is in the blood, we realize, Father, eternal life is in the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Father, for that blood that gives us the remission of sins, the blood that was shed in our place, that we might have redemption, that we might live forever eternally with thee. We ask the Father to continue to be with us, continue to help us, 
in our daily lives. We realize, Father, the struggles that we have, but may we always reflect upon this special day, the day that, Father, that we come together as your body to remember the great and wonderful sacrifice that made our peace with you possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If it's okay, we'll have the prayer after the collection. Let us bow and pray. Again, Father, we come before your throne, thankful for every blessing you give us, both spiritually and physically. We pray, Father, that the collection that's just been taken up would be acceptable to you and that each has given according to their ability, that each has given not a necessity but because of love for you and love for the work of this church, that the gospel might be able to be preached from this area and from other areas that good might be done, that the church might be edified, and we might bring all glory to you. We pray, Father, that you would accept this contribution this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing I'm happy today while our happy kids come up for kids' time. I'm happy today, oh yes, I'm happy today in Jesus Christ. I'm happy today because he's taken all my sins away, and that's why I'm happy today. 
I'm singing today, oh yes, I'm singing today, in Jesus Christ I'm singing today, because he's taken all my sins away, and that's why I'm singing today. You know, in just a minute, we're going to sing the song, If You're Happy and You Know It. But I want us to change one of the verses. We're going to sing something that you've probably never sung before on this one verse. Because today we're talking about being happy and rejoicing in the Lord. And the Bible says that if anyone is happy, that person should sing. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. So on this great song, if you're happy and you know it, we're going to sing a different verse on one of the verses. And I want us to practice. Does that sound like a good idea? Okay, good. So here's, the, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a verse that says, if you're happy and you know it, sing a song. Now, because we don't have time to sing a whole song, we're just going to sing a note. Okay, so it's going to go something like this. If you're happy and you know it, sing a song. La! And, and that's not going to be a solo, which means Mr. Bill doesn't want to sing by himself. And so all you need to do is sing the word la or a different word if you want. And whatever note you choose. And then the other thing, you have to do it loud. Now, I, all, I know all of you don't like to do things loud. <clears throat> so we're going to really try this, okay? You want to try it one more time? If you're happy and you know it, sing a song. La! Perfect. Perfect. Okay, we're going to sing the whole song now. Are you ready? We're going to start with clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will really show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. Stomp, stomp. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will really show it. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. Okay, you ready? If you're happy and you know it, sing a song. If you're happy and you know it, sing a song. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will really show it. If you're happy and you know it, sing a song. Okay, we're going to try to do them all at the same time. You ready? If you're happy and you know it, do all three. Stomp, stomp, la! If you're happy and you know it, do all three. Stomp, stomp, la! If you're happy and you know it, then your face will really show it. If you're happy and you know it, do all three. Stomp, stomp, stomp. la! Should have named that screaming song, but that's okay. We did good. Okay, let's go to our blast or to picking up cards or back to our pews as we sing that song one more time. I'm singing today. Oh, yes, I'm singing today in Jesus Christ. I'm singing today because he's taken all my sins away. And that's why I'm singing today. It's a tough act to follow.
joyful singing, huh? Okay. <laughs> Let's all be standing for our song before Bill's lesson today on joyful singing. Joyful, joyful, we adore have a lot going on today. Have you noticed that? I love being a part of an active church that's just doing a whole lot of stuff. If you don't know the gentleman, that uh, the brother that led us during our communion time, that is Hal Ferguson. And Hal and his wife are a part of the Chamala Mission in Tanzania. And I, I wish everyone could have heard his presentation during the Bible class time. Such an encouraging time of their mission work, whether they're involved in teaching kids in primary and secondary school, training uh, Native men to preach, uh, doing wonderful, incredible work through their Tamala Hospital that many of us have been aware of for decades, and uh, farming on their property. There's just so much that they're doing, so thank you all for what you and your family do, and thank you for being with us uh, today. There's a booth outside in the foyer, as Hal said, and so I hope that you'll go by there and take a look at those brochures and take one uh, with you as well. Uh, all of us in the office are super excited uh, to welcome uh, Eric Thornton as a part of our, our staff. I asked him uh, when he uh, came in this week, do you want me to give you a tour of the you know, office area just in case there was anything you had questions about? And so we are very blessed. He's going to help every one of us. Uh, in our roles, in our respective roles, and he's going to help our church be more connected with each other and with our ministries and with this community. And we are super excited uh, to have him on board in that role. Uh, we have our Reconnect uh, marriage workshop that's coming up one week from today. There's a note about it in the bulletin. There are these brochures, flyers on the, on the information booth. There is a QR code in the bulletin and on these forms for you to register Today is the last day to register, the last day that we want to have the registration open. So it's online, and you can do that with your cell phone. Just go to that QR code, and you can register, or go on our website, uh, westerwin.com, and you can register. Or if you want to do it the old-fashioned way, give us a call in the office, and we'll be glad uh, to put you on that list. Um, like I said, there is a lot going on in uh, this church family, and what a blessing uh, that is. Uh, one of the things that we want to remind each other of today, as Kelly shared, is to sing, to sing joyfully. 
just as our kids, quote, sang, um, we want to sing out. And we want to sing out with joy. This is the message that I'm giving today, and that is simply this. Sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. All of the message is going to be around those words. Sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. But first, a little bit of preliminaries. First, um, worship leaders have a great impact on the church's worship. As worship leaders, we do our very best to be prepared. We understand that our role is to be worship facilitators and not performers or entertainers. We do not lead worship in order to, quote, be seen by others, as Jesus warns against in Matthew 6. Rather, our role is to stay out of the way as much as possible as we enable and facilitate the congregation to worship and praise the living God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That being said, we are each ultimately responsible to God for our worship, and that includes our singing. And so another thing as we begin this lesson is sometimes things don't go quite as you would like or as you would expect in our worship assembly. As worship leaders and as worship planners, we try to do the very best we can to help everyone be able to have a great worship experience between them and the Lord as we worship together between us and the Lord. So today and in the next few weeks, probably especially Uh, We're going to see a few little tweaks and quirks as we try to figure out how to pass communion to each other again. (laughs) We're doing that to enhance our fellowship with each other, our table fellowship, which I think is a vital part of the communion service, uh, but also allowing our, our men and especially our young men and boys who have been baptized into Christ, passing the trays during communion and the contribution for most men is the very first thing they do in worship leading in the assembly. And so we're excited that we're going to be able to have that opportunity uh, again. And so remember that over these next few weeks as we try to find out the way to do that in a new way, uh, but similar to the way uh, we've always done it. Uh, Sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. We are each ultimately responsible for our worship, and that includes our singing. No matter who the worship leaders are, no matter what the structure of the service is, it is up to us as individual worshipers to worship the living God together as a church family, together as a congregation. Granted, it's a little bit more difficult than if you're having a devotional by yourself at home, where you can pick all the songs and you can decide what scripture you use and you can pray without being interrupted and it can go just as long or as short as you want. All of those things are true and God could have decided to do it that way. But you know what? He said, you can't be faithful if that's the way we do it because you need each other. And a big part of that is worshiping the Lord together. That's why they call this the assembly. That's why I appreciate how you bring in out Acts 20 so well. Even Paul, while he was traveling, and many of you do the same thing, either online or actually in person at a neighboring church, Paul and his missionary team took part in the worship of the church with the local assembly there at Troas. 
Why? Because they need it. They need to be together. They need that fellowship. They need that encouragement. And they need to worship the Lord. And we do that together in an assembly so that we can remind each other of the call to faithfulness. So a few things about the worship assembly, first of all. The worship assembly is just that, an assembly. (laughs) The uniqueness of the worship assembly is that it is the time when the church gathers together to worship God directly and encourage each other while we do it. This is not the only time we worship. My belief is that we worship God all the time. And Colossians 3.17 and other passages say everything we say and everything we do is done to honor God. And I believe that. I believe that strongly. But I also believe that there is a special time when we worship the Lord directly. When we are offering up our prayers to Him or studying His Word or singing praises to Him. And then there are times when we offer up that direct worship together in the assembly. And that's a very unique experience. This is the only time that happens. The focus of our worship assemblies is God. He is the only one who is worthy of our worship. He is the only one to whom our worship is directed. And so he is the only spectator. Everyone else is a participant in the worship of our God. I don't know if you've thought about that before. That's not original with me. But there is one spectator here today. And that's the living God. However many we have. Looking out, it looks like we have about 1,271. But all of us are participants. None of us is a spectator. And sometimes I get a little nervous when I hear someone refer to all of us here as the audience. I realize that's just a word and I'm okay with that. Fine, fine, fine. But I I don't like it. (laughs) Because we're not an audience. We are participants. This is the stage. The one person in the audience is the Lord God himself. He is the only spectator. I like to refer to us as the congregation. That's kind of a churchy word. But I don't know. If you can come up with something better, let me know. I'd love to have it. But we should not think of ourselves sitting out there in the congregation as an audience watching performers up here. You know, there were times in church history when the Roman church had the Mass, the the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper in Latin, even though nobody in the congregation, wherever they were, spoke it anymore. And it got to be such a point that the priest would stand like this, observing the communion. And the people wouldn't even get to partake of the whole part. And, and that's, that's a spectator. That's not the way God designed the worship assembly. We are participants. The focus of our worship assemblies is God. And the purpose, though, of our worship assemblies is mutual encouragement. You've heard me say many times, we can worship God directly anywhere. We can pray anywhere. We can study the Bible anywhere, as we have found during COVID. We can even take communion anywhere. But what we can't do is do those things together. And that's what makes this special. That's what makes this unique. It's special because the church is gathered together to worship God. So while our focus is God... Our purpose in doing this together is to encourage each other. And that's right straight out of Hebrews chapter 10. 
verses 23 through 25, and also 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Corinthians 14. Focus is God. Purpose is to encourage that person that's sitting around you. And we try to be balanced. As worship leaders, we try to have songs and sermons that are joyful and some that are contemplative, that are directed to God and some that are directed to one another. Some that are older, some that are newer, some that are fast, some that are slow. And over a period of time, hopefully you see that balance. You may not in a single service, but hopefully over a period of time you do. And so this worship assembly is a call to consideration, to humility, to respect, to unselfishness, to love. We are to interact with each other with the attitude of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit even when we come to church. (laughs) We don't stop being nice and kind and considerate to each other when we're here. (laughs) We should do that most of all when we're here. And be considerate of what someone else might be encouraged by and not have the most important thing in my life today, what encourages me. I should be asking, what can I do to encourage that brother or that sister, that young person, that elderly person sitting across the way from me? Because it is a corporate worship assembly, the believers were told to be considerate of each other and do those things that would edify and encourage all the worshipers and not just a few. And that's a hard balance to find. But hopefully over time, that's what we do. So sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. Let's look at this for just a moment. First of all, sing. Sing is a verb. I don't know if some of you know that, but sing is a verb. It's something you do. Something you do. Um, It doesn't say sing well. (laughs) It says sing. Sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. And there's a great biblical scriptural foundation for that. And I'd like to share a few scriptures that are noted on your outlines. Psalm 100, and there are so many psalms that call us to sing. Psalm 100 begins this way. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. That was the attitude when they were under the law. And now that we're under the realm of Jesus Christ and the freedom we have in Christ, shouldn't our joy be even greater? Of course it should. The New Testament scriptures affirm that call to sing. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, which is set in the context, one of the few passages in Scripture that is actually set in the context of the worship assembly. Chapter 14, verse 15 says, So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. And I've got to tell you, as a preacher in Churches of Christ, I've used that Scripture a lot to talk about singing with your understanding. But that's only half of it. I will sing with my what? Spirit. I will sing with my spirit. This is a joyful spiritual exercise. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 are very similar. I'll read Ephesians 5 verses 18 through 20. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, sexual immorality. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And James chapter 5 verse 13 says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them what? Pray. Is anyone happy? Let them what? Sing. 
Right there in the Bible. Huh. Is any one of you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Philippians 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5 and so many other passages say rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Why? Because we have the blessings in Jesus Christ. Always. The scriptural foundation is strong for singing praises to God. And for singing those praises to God in the worship assembly without instrumental accompaniment. The, the term a cappella means in the style of the church, in the style of the, cha- of, the, of the chapel. Why is that? Because for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after the first century, the singing within the church assembly was just like we're doing right now. A cappella without instrumental music accompaniment. A few thoughts about the history The Roman church began to use instruments about 800 years ago. In the 1200s, 1100 years after the church had been established. And it's not like they weren't familiar with instrumental music in worship. They were Jews and pagans. They had done it all their lives, but for some reason or another, they didn't in the church. And they didn't for hundreds of years. It was not fully approved in the Roman church until the 1600s. Instruments were disapproved. They were frowned upon by most of the the reformers. In the 16th century reformation, the instruments were not used by most Protestant churches until the 1800s. Until the 1800s. Some other religious groups that reject instruments today, the Eastern Orthodox Church, some Moravian churches, Reformed Presbyterians, and some others. You know, these days, more is being written about moving away from the entertainment purpose to the focus on God with the purpose of encouraging and enabling the worshipers to actually take an active part in the worship. And that's been, been harmed in the world that uses instruments in worship They've gotten it so big and built it up so much that there's so much band and so much orchestra and so much loud music that what happens to the people in the congregation? They sit there and enjoy the show. They don't sing out. And so now I'm seeing more in other churches and other church leaders around the country who are saying, look, let's tap the brakes on this a little bit. Let's try to do things that will encourage our people to join in the singing. Not discourage that. More is being written about that in the general Christian world at large. If our worship assemblies are not encouraging and edifying, then we're not being biblical because that's their purpose. That's why we're here to encourage and edify each other. So sing out. (laughs) Sing out. It's interesting to me that some who believe that instrumental music is an addition to the scriptures and should not be used in church worship services, in case I haven't been clear, I agree with that, by the way. Those same people will not sing out with joy in those same church worship services. Something the New Testament clearly and obviously commands. I believe the saying is, we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. We need to sing out. Instead, they are doing what my mother would call just sitting there like a what? A bump on a log. How many of you have heard that statement? Don't sit here like that. Don't sit in church like a bump on a log. Wait till you get home and are in your recliner and then do all the bumping on a log that you want. But not here. 
You're a participant. God is watching. God is listening. God is listening to your heart. And if your heart is bringing up joyous worship to the Lord, tell your face, would you? (laughs) Would you please let your face in on the secret that you're happy and joyful because Jesus died for your sins? And would you sing out with joy? If you're not singing, then not only are you disobeying the command to sing, you're hindering the church from fulfilling its purpose in the worship assembly. So sing out. Sing out. Sing out with joy. With joy is the attitude. With joy is the attitude. Our joyful worship stems from our Savior and our hope of resurrection. It doesn't come from the song list or from the length of the sermon. Interestingly enough, it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. So sing out. Sing out with joy. Sing out with gratitude and joy. Gratitude and joy should be at the heart of every aspect of our Christian lives. It certainly seems that way from reading the New Testament. Rejoice in the Lord always, unless, of course, the song leader leads a song you don't like. Or leads it too slow or fast, or pitches it wrong, or leads all the verses, or doesn't lead all the verses. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always, and you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but Bill, I have it a lot harder than Paul does. I mean, Paul didn't have to endure some of the preachers that I've had to endure. (laughs) Paul wrote that from prison, not knowing if he was going to get out or not. Later on, he would get out, as tradition says, and he continued to do his mission work and got arrested again and was killed. He had been beaten and stoned nearly to death because of his faith. And yet he sat there and he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And the reasons we pick for not being joyful, God help us when we stand before the Lord who gave everything and suffered everything so that we could have joy. As Dr. Phil would say, let me know how that works out for you. Sing out with joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Our joyful worship stems from our Savior and our hope of resurrection. So sing out. Sing out with joy. Sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. In your hearts is the quality. We sometimes get caught up in how we sound. And that's not how God measures the quality. In your hearts is how God measures the quality. Maybe you've never considered trying out for American Idol or The Voice. But that's not what God is calling for from you. He wants your heart. And He wants your heart to participate when the church gathers together and sings praises to your Creator and Savior. So sing out. Sing out with joy in your heart. We've done leadership training for Christ here, LTC here at West Irwin for years. Uh, We've done it, Joyce and I have done it in our other churches. And I remember years and years ago there was a skit put on by some of the kids. And it was set in a youth devotional. They were sitting like as if they were up here for a youth devotional. Where I was when we had devotionals back in the 70s and we sang, If the skies above you are gray, sing and be happy. 
And, and so they're up here and they're singing and there's a big group of kids singing and they're all singing, singing the song we sang a moment ago, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, which is from Beethoven's seventh, Ode to Joy, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. You know that one, right? We just sang it. So that's what the kids up here are singing and they sound beautiful in this little skit. Beautiful, as kids do when they sing. They sound wonderful. And except for one girl. There's one girl over on the end And she is singing just as loud as she can sing, wailing away, completely off-key, not getting many of the words right, not considering at all how the group sounds with her singing out so loudly. She's just over there bellowing away to this song. And all the kids, of course, take their turns looking over at her, some with an angry look on their face, some with a frustrated look on their face. And they see her over there singing loudly. And that's the first part. You hear this wonderful, amazing singing, except for that one girl. And then the scene transitions. And you hear what God hears. And so with each of the kids, you, everybody as a group, they're now humming that tune very softly. And each one takes their turn singing or talking in, in what's in their heart. In what they're thinking about. In what God hears. And so what is God hearing? Well, one of them is saying, I wish that girl would be quiet. I can't believe she's singing at all, much less singing so loud. Another one is saying, I know, I can't believe it. it's, It's like she's ruining our whole wonderful singing. That's what's in her heart. Another boy speaks up and he's standing there and he says, Why, oh, why would anyone build a church right across the street from a bakery? (laughs) I am so hungry. That's what he's thinking. Another girl is singing, bathroom, bathroom, I need a bathroom. I have simply got to go. (laughs) That's what she's thinking. Another girl is looking across the way and says, ooh, Who is that cute guy over there? Boy, I sure hope he didn't come with any of the other girls in the youth group. That's what she's thinking. And then you get to that girl. That girl that was singing so horribly that everybody just couldn't wait for her to be quiet. And you hear what God hears from her. And it's the most angelic thing you've ever heard. Every note is perfect. Every word is perfect. Her face is lit up. She's singing loudly as if she could be a singer at the Metropolitan Opera. Because that's what God heard. Sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. To the Lord is the recipient, as we've said. Not the song leader, not the preacher, not the elders, not others. Yes, they are encouraged if you sing out or discouraged if you don't sing. But our worship, including our singing, is directed only to the Lord. God is watching and listening and hearing our hearts. So sing out. Sing out with joy in your heart to the Lord. If we are singing praises to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, if He is the focus of our worship then how can we not sing out with joy and praise? And if we are singing together in our worship assembly with the purpose to encourage those around us to praise God with joy and praise, 
How are we going to do that unless we sing out? Sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. We have so much to be joyful about. We have so much to be thankful for. So sing out. Sing with joy in your hearts to the Lord. And if you need help and encouragement to praise your God today in song or in any other way in your Christian walk, come as we stand and sing our song together. sing a closing song and then I'm going to close us out with prayer right after that song. You are the words and the music. You are the song so much for this beautiful day that you've given us, this beautiful Lord's Day, that we can come before you and sing praises to you, to worship you, to honor you. We all know that we, we do that in our own ways. We all want to be able to praise you in any way possible, and we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for the love that you bestow upon us. We thank you for the blessings that you give us, and most importantly, we thank you 
for the grace that you give us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.